Hello and welcome to Touchline from myself, Casper Els, and Mark Cameron. Hello, Mark. Hi, Cas. Nice being back. Uh, can't wait to share some wonderful rugby stories and lots and lots and lots of upside-down things that happened this weekend. Definitely. With a little bit of rugby that we actually have, <laughs> we have quite a bit of, bit of fun. Unfortunately, yes. Let's start with the Super Rugby. Uh, Pakisa Pumas almost, almost had an upset against the, the DHL Stormers. I know there's a couple of people that said that um, the Pumas were hard done by. Well, I won't say hard done by. I, th I, I, <laughs> I, think, I think the Pumas thoroughly deserved to win, put it that way. Um, they played some wonderful rugby. Um, I feel for the coaching staff, obviously. But, you know, when you play against a quality side like the Stormers um, and you let your guard down, then unfortunately yeah, that's what happens. And the Stormers came back. So if you look at the two different coaches, Jimmy Stonehouse yes. will probably going, what happened? Yes. Um, unfortunately, his side just couldn't adapt to the pressure, I suppose. Yeah. Um, but they'll do the analysis and see what went wrong. Unfortunately, it puts them back quite a bit because they, we know as a, as a smaller union, they are actually quite a powerhouse, if you think about it like that. And you look at uh, Dobson from from the Stormer side of it, um, he wouldn't be happy. I can tell you that now no, because obviously be. they set their targets quite high. But it takes a quality side to come back like that right at the end, to back their systems, to believe in themselves, to know that they can do it. You know, we always refer to, to the All Blacks and it was a typical All Black uh, type of comeback um, because they were actually out of it and uh, right oh, until definitely. the end and uh, yeah and and you know at the end of the day rugby rugby benefited i think yes. it was quite a nice spectacle to watch and and good for the stormers um oh, you good know, rugby. they are now two games undefeated yes i mean the pumas went up 30 14 at halftime and then for the stormers to come back and win 37 42 is is an achievement. Yeah, no, look, when when they opened the the floodgate started opening at the end, um, they scored some wonderful tries. They did, yes. Um, and unfortunately, you know, if, if, and I say this with respect to the Pumas, if it was a strength versus strength side, the Stormers might not have come back like that. Yes. Um, but it, th that is what happens, you know, when the so-called underdogs believe right until the end they can keep you busy. But I think as soon as they scored the second consecutive try then the Pumas brought what's happening now and obviously it's in the history books yeah but that's also where um, experience and patience come in you just chip away and just keep going and going yeah, no definitely and and you know you play against a, a side like the Stormers that's also quite loaded with with Springboks and lots of experience as you say um, a lot of them plays played super rugby before um, but well deserved uh, the, the, the Stormers really deserved the win at the end to come back. But, I mean, yes. they, in theory, they only played the last 15, 15 odd minutes where the Pumas were right in it from the word go. So, and I feel for them. Definitely. Then we had the Varukon Bulls against our own Celsi Sharks. Unfortunately, the Sharks going down 41-14. Your views on that one? I need to take emotion out of it, I suppose. Um, it's actually very sad, and I feel for, for Sean Everett. Um, you know, I'm not making excuses. We've got a very young side. Uh, the Bulls were just superior from the beginning. I mean, when they starved us from ball, 
Um, you know, if you look in, in the beginning, uh, they had territory and possession, I think, on their side. And we held them out for, for large numbers of, of the game, more so in the first half. But they have got quality all around. They've got older people, more experienced guys. We have a very, very young side. And, um, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't look good now. More so if you look at where we were pre-lockdown, yes. the COVID-19. Um, and I feel for Sean. You know, things are just not going right. There's, there's a, you know, we battled in the, in the lineouts. Um, yes. The breakdowns we battled here, here and there. Um, Dylan Richardson was good at, on the floor for us. The odd penalty that he won. But I think in general, if uh, one looks at it objectively, the Bulls thoroughly deserved their win. They really outplayed us. You know, we did say, we did say pre-season when they played in the Super Fan Saturday, that you know most of our players weren't there. Uh, you know, don't look too much into pre-season games, which is a fact. Um, we were better, I suppose, than in that specific game. But yet again, the Bulls thoroughly deserved it. They did. Never allowed us to come back into Not that game. And I think if you look at off-town score it was seventy-nine and. I mean, they just never allowed us to get back uh, into the game. No, 100%. Look, our kicking game, I don't think our kicking game was, was on song. Um, you know, we, we sing praises of, of some of the guys week in and week out. But, I mean, our passes weren't accurate. Um, our clearance weren't accurate. You know, so it was just an off day, unfortunately. But it is a young side. It's, uh, you know, tomorrow the sun comes up again and things change. And, and let's hope, let's hope this weekend they can, they can turn it around. Definitely. And then the big one, the Lions and the Toyota Cheetahs, the Emirates Lions and Toyota Te Cheetahs that were called off due to positive COVID cases in the, in the Lions side. Yeah, it's actually quite sad if you think about it. Um, you know, the typical COVID from one week to the next, you don't yes. know what's going to happen and, and who would be affected by this. Um, you know, we're looking at the Lions now that, that were tested positive a few weeks ago we had sale sharks that tested positive overseas and you know the guys the guys play rugby now without masks and so forth so i suppose it's just a matter of time the sad part here is though is the cheetahs really looks the form side in super rugby unlock and um you know if 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 they can't find a suitable venue for these guys to play, which I believe would be quite difficult because yes. they still need to have a buy and so on and so forth, and there's only one around. Um, then they're going to split the spoils, you know, and, and the Cheetahs will only get two points. It could mean that they are knocked out and they don't win the, the, win the tournament, yes. so, which is sad for them. It is sad. Then, talking about the Cheetahs, the Cheetahs are still looking for an alternative option to to being kicked out of the, the Pro 14 or playing in the Pro 14. And I see there's all kinds of talk them getting involved in an Italian league or in an American league. There's still talks about them going to Australasia to go and play in a, in a revamped competition there, which I suppose won't be the Super Rugby League, but a revamped league. Your thoughts on that? Yeah, I think the, the Super Rugby one is probably not going to happen um, for the simple reason that I think both Australia and New Zealand talk about the time delay between the countries and ourselves when they play and so on and so forth and then obviously having to travel to South Africa it's easier to go over the Tasman you know that side to play yes. um, 
from a South African point of view, I'd like to see the Cheetahs play. They uh, they exciting brand. Um, they produce phenomenal players year in and year out. It would be sad not to see them play in a major yes, tournament. And definitely. you know, from as I said, from a spectator, whether they play in Italy or in the USA or in Australia, it doesn't matter. As long as they play, I think South African rugby would benefit from that. And um, I think the Cheetahs themselves, they deserve to play somewhere. They, you know, uh, we can we can flip the coin either side to say whether they deserve to be out of the Pro 14, Pro 16, as it's going to they're going to be going forward um, or not. But I think from a South African point of view, they didn't embarrass us when they played in the Pro 14 and they, they had some yeah. wonderful games. But I think from a South African point of view, they deserve to play somewhere. And, you know, I'm, I'm hoping for them to go. I'd love well, to see them play somewhere. Let's hope they get a, a decent tournament to, to participate in and, and something that will make us proud. Most definitely. Um, then with regards to the, the European leagues the Gallica championship was the final was played this weekend Exeter versus Wasp that game was was in atrocious weather um it was raining it's as if you were playing in New Zealand um you know and it was a I think it was a 16-13 ball game right until the end and then uh, obviously Exeter got a penalty to make it 19-13 but um there was some wonderful wonderful play Difficult conditions, and you know, Exeter became, I think, only the fourth side in the history to win the double. Okay. So, um, good luck to them, and well done to the coaching staff and the players. And, you know, we had two two South Africans playing for Exeter, so it all bodes well for us, and well well done to them. Definitely. Then staying in Europe with the with the Six Nations, there were two games this weekend as well. Uh, Italy playing Ireland, Ireland beating them. 50-17, and then there was the Wales-France game where France beat Wales 38-21. Yeah, that was actually quite quite nice. It was the Italy-Iron game that, that started first. Um, Italy, unfortunately, um, it's very difficult for them, obviously, to play against quality sides like, like Ireland and, and England and Wales. But um, nice to note that Franco Smith, the South African coaches in charge of the Italian side um, and there were some phases that they that they actually played quite well but ultimately Ireland is a quality team um, you know and to to beat them comprehensively like that so the Irish the Irish have, have gone to top of the log if I'm not mistaken or very close so they playing France next weekend and um, if they could beat France with a bonus point then I think they might become the six nation champions. And if I'm not mistaken, there's three South Africans involved in that game as well. One on the island side and two on the Italian side. Yes, yeah, so it was nice. It was nice to see old CJ Stander from from, yes. from Ireland, um, as Benormal plays plays very well. And then we had two locks in the French side. So um, yeah, it's it's always nice to to see the South Africans participate and and play for higher colours and honours. Just a pity they. Don't we are Springbok kit. Definitely, definitely. And then the Wales France game? Well, that was quite a quite a good game. I think there was a little bit more expected from from Wales. Um you know, the French depends on who pitches on the day and yeah, who climbs definitely. off the bus. 
But France played well from the outset. Um, and they themselves, I think between Wales and France, next weekend they'll play for fourth spot, if I'm not mistaken. Um, but it was a good game. The French, some of their trials that they scored were phenomenal. Typical, the French flair that you, that you see that came to the fore. Um, but isn't it just wonderful to see international rugby back, let alone our local thing? Yes. Just a pity that France can't pitch at every game. Yeah, no, but look, I think they've changed. They've changed over the seasons. Um, I think the, the, the French side of yesteryear, you know, you never know. And I think it's still like that to a degree. Yes. Um, but I think things have changed slightly and they're more focused and they, I don't know what it is. I mean, as a coach, I wouldn't know where to put my finger on to say, like, this is what the focus is or isn't. But, um, you know, if they play anything like they did on, on the weekend, then uh, they're definitely going to be a force to be reckoned with. There's a few youngsters that have come through. Um, they are now obviously rebuilding for the next World Cup. And if I'm not mistaken, I think the next World Cup is in France. So um, I think um, they are going to be a force to be reckoned with. Definitely. And then the england Barbarian game. <laughs> <laughs> You've got a fancy <laughs> giggle there. Unfortunately, we... We weren't privileged to see that game. <laughs> yeah, I'm laughing because, you know, this is professional professional sport. It shows you that, you know, we always talk about amateurs and amateur think, uh, things that can go wrong at grassroot levels or whatever. Um, obviously, they didn't part, uh, participate in their game. Uh, England, this is England and the Barbers because there were some protocols that were um, breached on the Tuesday and the Wednesday. Some of the players went out, I'm assuming, to supper or wherever they went. <laughs> um, and because of that, they were no, they didn't ask permission to go. No one knew where they went or whatever. And it came to the light, I think it was that on the Wednesday uh, that it surfaced that players went out. But then they realized that it happened the Tuesday night as well. And because of COVID um, and them not yes. knowing where they were and Obviously, what's going to happen, that's why they, they stopped the game. The sad part here, though, is, um, and I feel for England, because that was England's last preparation game prior to playing in the, in the Six Nations. So, um, you know, there's nothing like proper game time, um, and these guys were deprived from that now. No, but so also some indiscretions from the Barbarian side. I mean, players only get, or most players, only get one chance to, to wear a Barbarian jersey and to play against the quality side like England. So for these players now, who all are professional rugby players, to, to make a silly mistake like this, and especially with the COVID second wave in Europe, I mean, it's, it's stupid. You can't uh, call it anything else. No, I think, I think you are right. I mean, it's, it should be an honour to play for the Barbas because you're invited to go and play for them. Um, and I speak under correction now. I think it was Sir Clive Woodward that um, climbed into the Barbar side a little bit to say that disgraceful and uncalled for and so on and so forth, which is right. Um, it should be an honour to play to play for the Barbars. Um, but other than that, I think I think it becomes more personal. You know, you look at yourself as a player, as a professional yeah. player. I haven't heard names who ever went out and and did what they needed, what they did, but. Um, you know, I think firstly, you you let yourself down, you let your yes. country down because you're going there as a player. If there was a South African involved, you are representing South Africa in the Barber jersey. Yes, definitely. 
So, um, but I think ultimately it's the disrespect and injustice that they had now caused towards the England side to prepare to go and play in the Six Nations. Yes. And I think it's uncalled for. So I don't know what the, what the disciplinary actions are around something like that. But, um, you know, if I, was, if I was Eddie Jones, I would have asked for discipline to take place. Well, I'm sure there will be some form of discipline either way. Then, moving on to the, the player of the decade, I see that uh, Richie McCaw is leading the way by far. Yeah, I said last last week when we were on air, I said the same. Um, there are many phenomenal players that have been that have been nominated, um, the Dan Carters and so on and so forth. Yes. I think there are three or four New Zealanders in that in that same nomination pack. But you know, Richie McCaw was the captain of a very very successful New Zealand side for many a year. Um, I know there's a lot of people that say, but he didn't play the the whole decade, and so on and so forth. But I think he is so far ahead of them. You know, you still, other than playing ability, you need to look at on-field and off-field. Yes. Uh, he carries New Zealand. Um, you need to look at, and, and I don't know, there's my take on it. People will, will say that New Zealand is a successful side, so what is there to captain? I think the pressure um, of New Zealand to have to perform year in and year out. But um, it also takes a special person to captain such a side, where almost every single player in that side is a captain, is a leader, and to now stand out and, and, and lead that team and to work with coaches of that caliber and to be on top for such a long time, it, it takes mm. a special person. No, definitely. And I think, you know, it didn't happen often when New Zealand were down. Obviously, it still doesn't happen often. They might yes. have the odd game or whatever. But there's always something, and um, I think if you if you look at and listen to to players worldwide, they all speak positive stuff about Richie McCaw, you know. Yes. And as a South African, I mean, I would love to see Peter Steve Tatoi take it. I would love to see it. But I've said from the beginning, I think Richie McCaw is the yes, one definitely. way ahead of Dan Carter um, for his leadership abilities. And I mean, he was also, you know, when when you had a look at New Zealand and. Uh, talk South Africa now, and there were fisticuffs on the field and that. I, I might be wrong. I've never seen him throw a punch, uh, maybe under the ruck, who knows, where you can't see him. But um, I think he's a, he's a gentleman in, in, in rugby and, and well-deserved well for him if he does get it. I think, personally, I would, I would vote for him. Yes, Mark. Richie is by far ahead of everybody else. But Peter Steph de Toy is still there, and... We would like to appeal to South Africa to see if we can't get him in there and to vote for him and see we've got six days to go still. Um, so please vote for him. Well, I don't just think South Africa. I think he's got he's got many followers worldwide. Um, you know, he's been playing out of his socks, so to speak, for a few seasons now already. And um, you can just listen to some of the commentators in the World, World Cup, yes. how they spoke. Spoke him up and oh. saying since he's changed to, to flank, at one stage they even said he's the world's best flank. Um, and he probably was at that stage. Yes. So, But, you know, to, to be voted as a, as a player of the decade, number one, is a feather in your cap. Yes, but just to be nominated, uh, to correct. be there. Yeah. So I think it's uh, obviously the time frame. Um, Richie has yeah. been there probably longer than anyone else. And, and it would be unfair 
to compare Richie to Peter Stefter. They play two different games, firstly. But secondly, Richie has been there for longer than Peter Stefter Toy. And in the next decade, don't be surprised to see Peter Stefter Toy's name there again. Definitely. If he doesn't get it this time, which I'm sure we will, we will get we close. We will debate that. <laughs> we will debate that. And then we've got Werner Cook, nominated as the seventh player of the decade. Um, I don't know who the front runner is at the moment. I think it's, a, it's quite a close one. But Werner Cook is still in there, and he's still in the running. Yeah, look, if, I, if you just have a look at, and, and this is the player that he is, you know, so obviously from a South African point of view, we'll back him 150%. Yes. Um, and I hope there's a few people worldwide that would do the same, not only because of his playing ability, but he is a true gentleman. You can have a look and rewind the clock in this decade and go and have a look at how many games that guy's played and he will put you on the deck in a fierce tackle, but he will stand there and pick you up. That's the person. He always plays with a smile on his face. You can just have a look at now that he's part of the Sharks in the in the 15th man game. His work rate is absolutely phenomenal. And he still plays with a smile on his face, you know. So as aggressive as rugby is, that is what you want. You want the gentleman yes. to be there as well. And I think he's a gentleman of the game. And I'd be I'd be sad for him if he doesn't get it. Having said that, though, there are many brilliant rugby players out there that play sevens. I mean, you can just name a whole team of Fijians, firstly. I mean, then there's still the All Blacks that, that win quite often. Well, in our South African side, there's as many as in any other no, side. that has been absolutely phenomenal sevens players and that has done South Africa proud and has been absolute ambassadors to the to the sevens game. 100%. That's why I'm saying I think the sevens would probably be closer than the 15 men's game. Yes. And, uh, but I, I, I wish both uh, Werner and Peter Steff well. And regardless of whether they make it, I think they are still heroes in our country. And may they keep flying our flag high. They definitely are. So South Africa, please vote for them. Let's make them the players of the decade. Thank you, Mark. Thanks, Gus. Nice being in studio and sharing all the rugby knowledge with yourself. Looking forward to next week's show. Thank you, Mark. Thank you to our listeners. Thanks for tuning in to Touchline. From myself, Kasper Els, and Mark Cameron, have a great rugby week.